You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Just Baseball Show, Monday, August 16, and switching gears to football right away. Aram, De'Eric King is plus 2,000 to win the Heisman Trophy this year. He's like 30. He could easily win it. He's in his physical prime. (laughs) I mean, you know I'm a Miami Hurricane fan. I'd hammer that. I'd I'd hammer hammer that, too. I'm not a Miami I just got paid, too. He's like somehow the Panthers represent like NIL guy, I guess. The, not the football Panthers, like the, the hockey team that no one remembers that yeah. I forget we have sometimes. Hockey again, three in a row, three <laughs> oh, in a row. That was Please. unintentional too. He's the Panthers NIL guy. I don't know how they plan to utilize the Miami Hurricanes quarterback for their hockey team, but I, I'm kind of pumped. I, I have no idea either. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see because like the Notre Dame offensive line is sponsored by Mission Barbecue, which is just a, a barbecue chain and in the Midwest. And De'Ara King is sponsored by the Florida Panther hockey team. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. De'Ara King plus 2,000. You've got Spencer Rattler at plus 600. DJ Uyangalale. Uyangalale. We're all going to learn how to say that. Yeah, I was going to say, you're a broadcaster, bro. You got, you got to do that. Man, I'm I'm gonna learn how to let it roll off the tongue like Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's plus seven fifty. Bryce Young plus nine hundred. He's also plus a million dollars with name, image, likeness. Yes. So that's gonna be interesting, man. I'm a big college football guy. It's gonna be fun to have college football on Saturday during the day and have the MLB postseason on at night. I think fall is my favorite sports viewing season. Oh, absolutely. I, I, this time of the year is as good as it gets. On the flip side, like February-ish time, right after the Super Bowl, yeah, that's when I'm going to get married. Because there's there's nothing Good going move. on then. Honeymoon, don't have to worry about the games. My wife's going to be like, oh, wow, you haven't checked your phone once. I'm like, yep, yep, I'm just really focused on you. There you go. Yep, I'm just so in love. Uh, I'm so in love. <laughs> before we get into the baseball talk, we got to shout out two pieces of apparel. Your shirt, my hat. Let's start with your shirt. It's a Darren Ruff themed Giants shirt it says rough 33 underneath San Francisco baseball and then it's got Ruff's Hancock what, what's going on here well you know I'm a Giants fan so you know for, for me being a Giants fan and and being a Giants fan I I've just really come to appreciate the role players and how everybody kind of like jumps into their role Darren Ruff's kind of been a journeyman his entire career but he's a grinder blue collar just grip it and rip it type which I love and he kills he just kills 
left-handed pitching. He's, he's phenomenal. He fills his role perfectly, bought the shirt. It goes to the Darren Ruff foundation, which teaches underprivileged kids how to crush left-handed pitching. I'm super pumped on it. That's sweet. That's so sweet. Uh, Darren Ruff might be my favorite giant role player. I think my favorite giant besides Chris Bryant, I love Chris Bryant is Mauricio Dubon. And I don't even think he's on the big league team. I think he might still be in Sacramento, but like, he's just my guy. You, why Dubon? He's like the most boring dude ever. I just disagree. I think defensive versatility is hot. You, you love the utility guys. I love the utility guys. I'll give you this. I loved Damian Easley on the Marlins back oh, in the day. I don't know if that name rings a bell. And I just remember my dad being like, this is your only shot. Like play every position and switch hit. So that's what I did. Still didn't work. But like, I mean, it kind of worked. But yeah, that was, he's like, my son's not going to throw 95, play every position and hit from both sides. Dude, so. that was my thing too. Brent Lillibridge with the White Sox. That was my guy. Yeah, he's <laughs> totally my guy. Uh, I do want to shout out my chum bucket hat because my mm-hmm. girlfriend got me this chum bucket hat and I'm a big SpongeBob guy. My girlfriend's a big SpongeBob guy. I feel like our relationship is kind your of built off SpongeBob. Your girlfriend's so. a SpongeBob guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, SpongeBob girl. Sorry. Thanks for correcting me. I just, just wanted to help you there. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm a big SpongeBob guy myself. So chum bucket, I'm in. I'm going to have to ask her where she got that. Uh, if you aren't a SpongeBob person, if you're like a younger demo and you're watching the new stuff and you're like, it sucks, go to the OG stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, there's nothing better than the campfire. I could go on and on and on, but Bubble Bowl, you name it, classic. That's his eager face. Um, you're also Bryn Sexual. You are a newfound Bryn Sexual. That shirt's <laughs> coming in the mail too, bro. Um, I've outgrown jerseys and what I've, what I've grown into are really mature graphic tees, like yeah. Bryn Sexual. Which um, is why our friends at Breaking Tea are dope. Yes, Breaking Tea. They they did not make the Brent Sexual shirt, though, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I think that might be towing the line for them a little bit. Um, yeah. But my, my guy, TWM, one of my favorite accounts, big Marlins fan, he will not tow any line. He will jump right over that line and make a shirt with anything you want to hear on it. But really excited about Lewis Brinson. Uh, I, I got to say, 800 plate appearances of sucking. And then he just rolled out of bed a couple weeks ago and was like, you know what? Gonna be good at this baseball thing today, and he's been raking for like three weeks now. His OPS is over eight thirty. It's inexplicable, really, but I I am happy for him. Didn't we know that this was always in him, though? Yes, I mean this this was a top twenty prospect in baseball, Um, so it it would be like like people were like, oh, Byron Buxton, this this this. But this is a dude that sucked for eight hundred plate appearances in the big leagues. Yeah, almost maybe more than that. And it wasn't just like he wasn't realizing his potential. He was hitting a buck 70 and striking out 40% of the time. Like he was one of the worst players in all of baseball. So like that quick pivot is just so wild to me. And no one really knows in the Marlins community, which is a small one, uh, really how to wrap their minds around it because it just was like overnight. It's, it's weird to me because somebody that's outside the Marlin circle looks in and sees Lewis Brinson, sees Victor Victor, sees Monty Harrison, sees all these guys and says, are they the same guy? Are they? They all, they all were pretty damn similar, man. Like that, that was the problem is you had a bunch of toolsy guys who lacked the hit tool. And it's like, that's okay to mix in some guys like that in your system. But if your entire system is tools first guys that you don't know if they're going to hit or not, that's volatility in itself. And they had Brinson, they had Isan Diaz, Monte Harrison. They're all the same dude. 
And unfortunately for the Marlins, none of them have panned out so far. Well, maybe Brinson has now. Uh, but I think it's really the pitching version of that is the Royals. The Royals keep yes. targeting guys with stuff, but not pitchability. Yes. Sometimes that'll pan out. I think you do that if you desperately need to hit on an arm that like needs to be something that like turns your system around, right? If you're mm-hmm. the, one of the worst systems in baseball, you chase the upside. But when you're the Royals and you already have a million arms, like why are you continuously chasing the stuff? I think the Marlins went the opposite way with the pitching, which is the irony in this. They get Max Meyer over Ace Lacey. A lot of people are like, what are they doing? Clearly they saw something in the pitchability of Meyer versus Lacey. And it's just interesting now that all of these Royals pitchers are struggling and they're all similar in profile that stuff first, are they going to learn how to pitch? And it's an interesting thing there because the Indians on the flip side, they chase quality of pitching and hope that the stuff will tick up. I love all the different philosophies that go in, and that's a, probably an episode we can do in ourselves too. Totally. And what I love about the Indians approach is they can turn the guy that isn't necessarily the pitchability first guy into somebody who does have good pitchability. Exhibit A, Tristan McKenzie. Yeah, He's, I mean, oh my God, man. He's the guy that didn't have that natural that natural knack, right? He's not the Corey Kluber, who they took as a minor league in and turned him into Cy Young's. He is not Shane Bieber. McKenzie was a lot of raw stuff that they turned into a stud and seven and a third perfect innings yesterday. That was the most shocking part of it was if I saw seven and a third, no hit, I'd say, no, I mean, he's got good stuff, you know, like three walks. Yeah. But when I saw a perfect game, that was the most shocking component to me because he's got a 15% walk rate right now. So if he's figured something out, you know, we'll see if he can continue to build on this but neither of us would be surprised because that's what Cleveland does. Uh, that would be amazing. He, he's a South Florida kid too. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about him and the way like he, he goes about his business. He is a twig. I mean, they call him sticks for a reason, but yeah. he, I think it's part of his deception almost. It's like he releases the ball like 30 feet from his head. It's wild. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about him. I think the fastball really plays. He needs to find that change up, but my goodness, like you said, he, he went seven and a third perfect today. You know what I love about Tristan McKenzie is how well-liked and respected he is by other players. Twitter mm-hmm. was blowing up during really? Tristan McKenzie's perfect I didn't game. see that. That's oh, awesome. Awesome. I mean, he's got the support of so many players. Tristan McKenzie's a stud. Just going back to the Royals for a second, I find it interesting that the guy taken at time of draft that had the best pitch ability, that was the best pitcher and maybe the worst stuff, is the guy that is succeeding in AAA right now. Jackson Coar looks like the guy that's going to be the rotational stud in two years. He's going to break in maybe this September, maybe break camp next year with the Royals. But Coar's a guy that feels like he has legitimate staying power, and he's a three for 10 years. I really think so too. And, you know, he got a quick yank up and struggled after I was all over him. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, was I a little bit, too uh too excited and then i watched him more i was like no 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 he just got he's just got to settle down but he's a guy that pounds the strike zone fastball change up the change up's disgusting those two pitches alone you're looking at like worst case scenario chris paddock which is great and now i think that he's developing that third pitch like you said guaranteed i think you got a back end arm with a good chance of a three for the next however long and that's really a good balancer for that system because they have a bunch of guys that are just almost number two or bust, which is just, you got to mix it up with some higher four guys. And I'm, I'm interested to see how the Royals go in the off season here, because they are one of those weird teams that, that 
thinks they're better than they are. And they make moves as if they're kind of trying to compete. Benintendi. Benintendi, Carlos Santana, and then not trading him, not trading Whit Merrifield, which I can understand because his contract's actually front-loaded. But it's just interesting to me how they see themselves a bit differently than I think maybe all of us do. But I will say with Bobby Witt coming up with some of these other pieces, Nick Prado has been amazing. Uh, Salvi can maybe move from catcher and MJ Melendez. Who's been out of this world. Like Melendez. Oh my God. He's, he's out, he's out of this world, bro. He's a catcher that's second in all of minor league baseball and home runs to uh, Griffin Conine. So it's a cool little tie in there. And uh, I mean, he's just really figured it out and he's a great defender too. And Salvi's sucked defensively this year. So, I'm kind of in on the Royals being competitive next year. I think a lot is riding on Bobby Wood Jr. And that, you know, that, that's a big if. And then also Alberto Mondesi. I don't know what the deal is with him. Um, a lot of unknown in terms of, you know, injury, what's going on. But the, the poor guy, regardless, can't really stay healthy right now. Yeah, I, I like Mondesi. And I, I, do want, too. I think he can be an all-star if he stays healthy. Um, but the Royals have certainly been a disappointment this year, and we are going to get into a couple of our disappointments so far this year. Uh, first, two things. Number one, you might have heard some pinging earlier on in this Zoom. Aram got a new laptop. We're trending up here. I mean, we're, <laughs> big things happening at Just Baseball with a new I laptop. I think I figured it out. I, th- I, was, I, was, I was really like looking around. How do I, how do I turn this off? <laughs> but I got a new laptop. I was using a 2015 Mac Air uh, for the last six years. And now that I actually use applications instead of just opening Safari, which was all I used to do because all I did with my computer, yeah, it was just going to explode every single time. <laughs> turned, like, if I was on Zoom and then also had three tabs open, it sounded like a rocket ship taking off. So now I have a normal computer and I don't know how to use it. Um, so, uh, bear with me on that one, but I don't, I think we got the dings. Listen, we got the dings. step number one, getting off of Safari and joining the Google Chrome fam. That's big for us. I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know if I'm there yet. Get there quick. Number two, I did something that you will love yesterday. I had a radio hit on hit and run on 670 the score it's it's chicago's sports station it's the radio home of the cubs their baseball show on sundays is hosted by my uncle matt spiegel who also hosts afternoon drive parkinson spiegel on the score and i was on because i just watched the south bend cubs earlier this week and i've seen them now 18 times this year i watched alexander canario who was a beast but i was asked a question about brennan davis because i saw him for six games let's go And I was as hyperbolic as possible about Brennan Davis. I said, this guy has the makings of a future superstar. I used the word superstar. I used the S word on Brennan Davis, and I didn't feel bad about it at all. Oh, you know who my comp is for him, right? Come on. Is it Matt Kemp? Yes. Yeah. 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 Young Matt Kemp, though, not the fat one. No, like dating Rihanna Matt Kemp. Yes, yes. Dating Rihanna Matt Kemp was peak any baseball player of the last 20 years. I don't care what anybody tells me. I remember going to the old Marlins Stadium, um, you know, back when it was pro player, Joe Robbie, Dolphin Stadium, Sun Life, whatever you want to name it. And uh, Matt Kemp was there. And that was when he was going almost, we we thought he was going to go 40-40. I think, what did did he go, 38-40 something? Like he he was super close. And uh, he was on that pace. Uh, fans were singing Rihanna at him as if that was some sort of chirp. I mean, my goodness, if I could, if that's the people's version of making fun of me, 
Wow. Um, yeah, sign so me up. That, he's getting, yeah, please sign me up. He's getting heckled with Rihanna songs, which is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And just hitting 340, going 4040. And I was like, this guy is so cool. And I'm looking at him up, looking at his face on the scoreboard. He's like, he's handsome. Like, geez, this guy's a beast. Yes. So that was my favorite. And then, you know, five years later, I think he just was like, yeah, yeah, I had enough of that. I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of kick it in neutral, but I really did enjoy his peak. I love the idea of just 10,000 drunk assholes saying umbrella Ella. Yeah. Uh, that sounds very funny. They were singing rude boy a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, that's like, that's, that, that's kind of what dreams are, are, are made of there. Right. Like that's, that's, that's the peak. That is, that's kind of the peak. Uh, let's talk disappointments. So the opposite of the peak, um, the Royals certainly won. Who jumps out to you right now? Because I've got a team and a player that really jumped to mind. Yeah. Well, so to, to go with, <laughs> we could probably wait a week, do this and say the Mets, but um, when you look at a, at a player, I actually have an owner too, speaking of Mets, because uh, I've got a I want to say Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen has actually sincerely disappointed me. So let me just start there. Yeah. Because Steve Cohen comes in and I'm like, all right, this guy seems kind of cool. He wants to break down that fourth wall. He wants to uh, make it more transparent with the fans. And I liked that component of it. But then he just started to, I guess when you break down that fourth wall, you leave yourself vulnerable for people to actually see who you are. (laughs) And that facade that Steve Cohen was putting up of this nice guy who's fulfilling his dream of buying a baseball team, uh, which I do think is part of him. uh, You also got to see the business side too. And I think we, we talked about it a few episodes ago, but when he uh, basically referred to Kumar Rocker as a bag of money, uh, that's where I was like, okay, you know, we're talking about a kid's health, the kid's, you know, kid's future, and you're going on Twitter to defend yourself and not even name Kumar Rocker and refer to him as if he's some, like some object that I didn't like, but there was some instances before the guy deleted his Twitter for a reason, right. During the whole Met scandal. Uh, I didn't, he obviously didn't have any ties to that, but the way he handled it was a bit weird. Like I'm disappearing off Twitter and I'm just not going to deal with it, but Hey, I'm back on a month later because I want to brag about how I went into the clubhouse and told the Mets, Hey, uh, let's win today. And then they lost three zero like that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> just that's crazy to me. Like, okay, go in the clubhouse. That's fine but you're going to go and tweet and say, Hey, just went to the clubhouse. Like just flexing that I own a team and whatever. Like nobody wants a pep talk from a hedge fund guy. It's just, just reality of it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Steve Cohen is the guy that listen, I think a lot of millionaires should not be breaking down the fourth wall because you're going to be disappointed Mm -hmm. to find something. A lot of these people have been surrounded by yes men. Mm -hmm. And once something goes awry, they tend to short circuit a little bit and they do things that aren't too hot. So Steve yeah, Cohen, it's, I, I it's true because they're I, not used to being under scrutiny. Uh, I, I think that's, <laughs> if we want to just take it a step. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, you know what I was going to say, but some guy that had a really big job for our country a little while back was, was pretty bad with that stuff too. So, you know, it, it is, it is interesting because when you, when you're told you're the greatest all the time uh, and then, and people say yes to you and no one's going to even speak up, even if you're, doing a good job or a bad job. And then you become an athlete and owner or something like that. And you become the punching bag of millions of fans who don't give a crap. They will fire from the hip at you on Twitter. Nobody's firing at the, at the CEO of like Cisco or something like no one cares. But if that CEO of Cisco then buys a team, 
you better be ready. And it's just kind of funny how that works. Yeah, dude. When, when you come into the sports sphere, think about what the sports sphere is. It's everybody's escape. It doesn't matter what occupation you have during the day. You could watch sports at night. So you're dealing with a lot of people that don't care if they offend Steve Cohen. They don't care about his credentials. So it feels like he's walking it back at points. In year one, you got to know if you're going to make these decisions, if you're going to commit $341 million and not $340 to Francisco Lindor, you can't walk it back in year one. That's tough. Yeah, and I do like that he came in and spent money. I do. He I like said he was going to do it, and he did it. You know, th- that I, I said it when he came in. I think he's good for baseball. I still do. I yeah, still yeah. think he's good for baseball. I just think he had a misunderstanding of how he thought he would be perceived if he just came out and was, you know, the super transparent new guy. That's fine. But, and I liked it at first when he's like, hey, like Mets fans, what promos should we do? Like, that's the kind of stuff you should be doing. Yes. Keep it at that, man. Like, I don't need to hear your description of why you made a move or whatever that may be. But that's my, that's my one disappointment off the field kind of is Steve Cohen thought he was cooler. It's okay. There's worse. There's better. I just thought you'd be cool. Cool. I'm going to pin it on an individual on the field. And I have been just super disappointed and color you shocked by Eugenio Suarez. I thought this guy was going to be good. I thought he was going to be the Eugenio Suarez that hit 48 bombs again, but he is not. He's got a WRC plus of 68. And I think he's got a win probability added of minus 3.3, which is just bad. Like he might lead the league in strikeouts again. He's on pace to shatter 189 that he had in 2019, which led the league. He was an all-star that year. No, he wasn't an all-star that year. He was an all-star the year before. before. But he finished top 15 in MVP voting after he led the league in strikeouts. That's not the AD Eugenio Suarez anymore because the power is gone. The strikeout rate is through the roof. And this guy is bad defensively. It's been hard to watch him because if he was anything close to what he has been previously for Cincinnati, the Reds oh. are ahead of the Padres in the wild card right now. Easily. 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 And and also, <laughs> why did they decide to put him at short? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that When I saw that headline, I thought it was like a fake account. Or so I was like, no way. That's a funny joke, though. <laughs> But no, so but they moved him now and Farmer's been really good and that's helped him a lot. But yeah, you're totally right. He's playing a premium offensive position now at third and he's giving them nothing. And this is a really good offensive team that that needs to be way better than everybody else offensively because of their bullpen and uh, their hot and cold pitching. And it's really, really upsetting. I'm not totally shocked just because of any time you have a guy striking out that much, it, you always think that they're susceptible to have a year like this or just fall off like this. Uh, but it is really disappointing, especially given that the Reds are good. If the Reds were bad, then I wouldn't care as much. But I think you bring up a really good point. This Reds team is so close. They're like just a half step below being where they need to be to make the playoffs. They could still push in, um, with especially with the way Joey Votto is playing. But yeah, it, it does hurt when they're that close and he's not even he's actively hurting them uh, more than anything else, uh, which is unfortunate, especially with the emergence of your guy, Jonathan India. I'm going to go with there's there's a few different guys that have disappointed me this year. We could go Lindor. And, and I think that's obviously one that's not too surprising because of how much he's been really going back to last year. But I also look at the Braves 
and they've had a season from hell. Yeah. And they, they all of a sudden look like they're showing signs of life. So I have to back off the Braves too. So like, these are like my honorable mentions uh, because now I think the Braves could creep in. Uh, But Aaron Nola, Aaron Nola has been really disappointing to me because Aaron Nola has always been one of my favorite pitchers to watch. And I just always was thinking, okay, the one thing that was really holding him back is he wasn't as good in the second half and uh, he needed to just be able to pitch a full year. And I was just looking for that. Like that was the one missing piece for him from Aaron Nola being a certified ace. And then he comes out this year and he just doesn't look like the same Aaron Nola. Thank goodness for the Phillies. They have Zach Wheeler uh, who's been amazing and looks like the Cy Young winner. But imagine again, now we can play that game again. Imagine if Aaron Nola was the Aaron Nola that we've known before. Yeah. Now you have a two headed monster at the top of that Phillies rotation. That is terrifying, terrifying. And instead it's, it's really just Zach Wheeler uh, leading the way. And in Nola has been pretty, pretty darn bad. Yeah. I, I'm disappointed in Nola too, because he was my dark horse pick for NL Cy Young. I think he was a lot of people's dark horse pick for NL Cy Young because the stuff for Nola and the way that he can pitch for 10 game stretches for 15 game stretches is Cy Young-esque. He is very talented. When he's on, he's one of the best pitchers in the game, without question. But he's off a lot. And you're right, he kind of tapers off at the end of each year that he throws. This year, been no exception. I I hear you on Nola. I'm going to go team, and I'm happy that they're disappointing. But the Minnesota Twins are actually just full-blown bad. And they have been full-blown bad. And I understand, okay, sell off Barrios. Like, let's blow this thing up. Let's go get Austin Martin. Let's go get Simeon Woods Richardson. And let's get it right back. And I I think they're a little bit closer than people are giving them credit for. But their farm system wasn't the best. And they're getting some reinforcements now. But it's just not going to be enough, I don't think. I think the Twins aren't – I think they're in a fine spot. I don't think they're in a great spot. No, because they're like tweeners where they're not going to be the worst team in baseball uh, next year, but they're not going to be competitive and their system is somewhat middling too. They're they're your classic purgatory team a little bit, which sucks. I'd almost rather just be awful. Like the pirates had kill a draft like the pirates did this year and and develop talent. And, And that's what I would love to see. Uh, the, the twins be able to do, but they can't get rid of some of their guys that are kind of good because <laughs> they're expensive. Nobody wants to pay Donaldson. Nope. Nobody's going to pay to know uh, Buxton can't stay on the field. Mitch Garver's good ish. They're not playing these awful, awful players, but they also aren't playing very good players. So right. they're not the Orioles. They're not the pirates. They're this like weird purgatory team. I'm going to go with another Philly for me too, because This is somebody that I've just been so damn high on for so long and uh, was really excited last year. And Alec Bohm has really, really, really been disappointing for me because that's somebody that I have probably been as high on as anybody. And like, I'm so amped on Brendan Davis and um, I'm really glad that you uh, artificially pumped the market there a little bit for his cards, because uh, as we know, I'm, I'm well invested and I yeah, know that's why sure. you did it. You were just thinking about my wallet. So I appreciate yeah. that. No, um, I think in 5D at all times. I, I, I know you were just thinking like, let me pump this market up a little bit for, for arm. And, and I appreciate that because that's going to be more money going back into just baseball the second I sell those cards. But with Alec Bohm, 
he was so – I know it was a shortened season. I get it. I get it. But Alec Bohm last year was so good. And it was the same Alec Bohm that I had seen in the minor leagues who I was so impressed by. Power to all fields. Great hit tool. I know the glove was always a question. Don't really care. Uh, great approach. Walks. Didn't strike out a lot. Uh, I was – pretty much thinking this is the same. And I, I'm not saying that he's not, I mean, it's just one down year here, but I thought he was as safe as a bet to be just a high 200 hitter, 20 home runs and 80 to 90 RBIs at the worst. Uh, and he's been a lot worse than that this year. Yeah, he has. And I'm sure you remember, um, he really struggled to open his pro career in the minors and then a switch flipped and he was on fricking believable. And then he got to the bigs and he was good. And then he was really good. And then now he's been disappointing. So we, we see this, like it's a constant shift. It's like a, um, what, what am I thinking of? Uh, stenograph? No. I mean, I'm thinking pretty much like an, like an ECG, right? Like you see the, the dips and the blips yeah. and you know, it, that's just not how a young career should be going. It should no. be going in a linear direction, trending upwards. And Bohm is just not doing that right now. Especially because that's not his profile, right? Like if we're talking about a dude with that super toolsy, like a Brinson or Monte Harrison, yeah. that's going to happen. But this is a safe bet guy, a hitting tool right. guy. I, can, I was comparing him to a DJ LeMahieu light, which is what I thought he looked a lot like as he came up. And I was like, that comp is great. Yeah. And that's what I was looking at is somebody that's not going to wow you with power, but just drives the ball to all fields, gets some carry. But before you know it, he's got 25 jacks. And I mean, well, has been a big disappointment this year too. Uh, but yeah, it, it's you. I wonder a little bit because DJ was not a guy that ever put up big exit velos. He was a gap to gap guy that just would drive the ball with some carry. And then Alec Bohm is that similar guy, even though he was, even when he was hitting for a lot of power relative to him, his exit velos were never great. So I wonder if these deadened balls disproportionately affect those types of players a little bit more uh, than the, the uber powerful guys that are going to hit it out no matter what. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I think it probably does, right? Because the guys that have mammoth swings, I mean, Aaron Judge's exit velocities are not going down. Giancarlo Stanton had what? Had an 122 mile an hour ground out last week? Yeah. So I think. You get a, he get it a sock a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> like it could literally flatten on the bat. It could wrap around the barrel and he could throw it 122 miles an hour off the bat. Um, one last disappointment because I know we share it. Umpiring and umpiring accountability. Oh yeah. Is the biggest disappointment in baseball right now across all levels, I'd say. Yeah. So I think, I think my, my messages went off again, <laughs> but the, the, uh, the thing with umpiring for me is this, is I will admit, and I will acknowledge that it's a thankless job. It's a thankless job that we're no, very rarely are we going to be like, that was a great zone today. Good on whoever the hell, like the only, the only way they will be thanked is by the Twitter account, MLB umpire auditor. Like exactly. The only way. And they might get 10 retweets on their 98% consistency rate. Yeah. No one cares, but people love to retweet those, those shitty cards. And I get yes. it because it's fun, but I will say there is no accountability within it now. And you can really see that. <laughs> I look at somebody like Joe West and Joe West. Almost, I almost feel like Joe West makes bad calls on purpose so that he can get into an argument. Like that's mm -hmm. literally how it comes up because mm -hmm. you can tell he loves it. He power trips on it. 
but we were talking about, and this is something that I think the KBO does, and I know it would never happen in Major League Baseball because the Umpires Association, it's a union, so they would go nuts right. if this was try if this was attempted to be implemented. But I really think that they should be they should be held accountable the same way a player does. If you get up to the big leagues and you suck, if you're the worst at your job, like a Joe West or an Angel Hernandez. Like, why shouldn't you be demoted to AAA? Yep. Any other job out there, if I'm not good at it, I get fired, I get demoted, uh, I get in trouble. Uh, I understand that based on how they umpire, they get opportunities in the playoffs. That's a bonus. <laughs> That's it a is. bonus. That's not accountability. So what I would like to see is, and, and I don't think it's fair to find these guys because it's human error at some points too. So finding a happy medium here where we can hold them accountable I think demoting is also really extreme, but I, it, the idea of it brings me some solace. What I don't think people understand is that umpires try and climb the ladder much like players do. Yes. These umpires in high A, where I am right now, are in their mid to high 20s. They're not much older than the players actually on the field. Umpires work from, I'm dating it back to 2019, but short season ball to low A. To high A, to double A, to triple A. How do they a lot promoted? of guys? How do, how do they get promoted? Consistency. They get promoted Who's by being there? a good umpire. They have like umpire scouts. Yep, there are umpire. There are umpire cross checkers. There are umpire monitors. Pretty much. It's it's cool. It's and then once they get to the big leagues, screw it. Yeah, it's, it's like okay, you graduated. You know, you you throw your cap in the air, and it's like okay, now we don't have to worry about you anymore. You're just a distinguished alumni, uh, but. <sighs> Yeah, it, it, it's kind of crazy because we've got people here that are checking these umpires and having meetings with them the, the morning after games and saying, here's what you got right, here's what you got wrong. And they'll watch back the games. They'll see the instant replay that we have on the telecasts and, and they'll assess themselves as well. So these guys are always trying to get better. But from my understanding, AAA is where a lot of guys just stop. A lot of guys and girls stop because there's never any changeover with the bigs what happens when there's no changeover what happens when you have 100 job security you stop caring you stop giving a shit these guys don't give a shit anymore they're not being held accountable so they do whatever they want and they're going to be as defensive as possible that's why you see so many ejections because everybody is just so damn hard-headed in this sport and the umpires are no exception I 100% agree. And, and I just watched Castellanos get tossed, uh, literally. And it was the most casual thing ever. It was the worst call. He'd been getting hosed all weekend. He just turns around, talks to him for half a second. You're not allowed to argue balls and strikes. See ya. And, and it's just one of those things where, you, like you said, there, there's no accountability there. But also, they don't care. They, they really don't. A lot, some do. Some do. But you, you can tell that there's some that don't care. And it's almost a power trip. And uh, Angel Hernandez, I think is one of those guys. It's funny. The, the guys that are bad are the ones that seem to have the worst personalities too. Hernandez uh-huh. sued major league baseball for racial discrimination because he's Latin and didn't get the, the jobs that he wanted. It's baseball. If there's one demo that I think is not going to get, you know, treated unwell, it's probably Latins. And also it's because you're bad at your job. Right. Like you have no leg to stand on if you're one of the worst at your job. But also Joe West, I don't even know if he's allowed to drive at night 
right? Like he's 68 <laughs> years old. The DMV might not even allow him to drive at night. And now he can call balls and strikes on hundred mile per hour objects hurtling through an imaginary zone that we determine is yes or no. Like, oh, how is that possible? He takes shots in his knees every year because his knees are bone on bone and he, it, it hurts him so much that he has to get special shots every single year, multiple times a year. You don't think he wants to get the hell out of there in the eighth inning then? If it's bone on bone, like he wants out. He doesn't care. He's just, I don't know why he keeps doing it. I don't know why he doesn't hang it up. He's about to be 70 years old. Uh, but what, what do they call him? Like Cowboy Joe West or whatever? I like, think so. Like, I, what was the quote? You saw the quote I tweeted. It was, wow. it was an anonymous player that said, uh, if murder was legal, there's a lot of days where I would have killed Joe West, essentially was what this, what this player said. He said the guy was so arrogant that he would really believe that 50,000 fans came there to see him. That's crazy, man. That's tough. Is it, are they cortisone shots? Do you know? I've, I, I, from what I read, it was like even more than that. I think. Holy shit. The guy doesn't want to hang it up. Oh, he won't do it. Just, just hang it up. Oh man, this was a good episode. Uh, it was disappointing. That's why Peter and I are coming back tomorrow with our top 10 surprises of the year for a top 10 Tuesday, but that is Aram Layton. Follow him on Twitter at Aram Layton 8. I am Jack underscore McMullen 11 on Twitter. Follow Just Baseball on Twitter at Just BB Media. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Just Baseball Fans. Like, subscribe, uh, leave a five star review on the pod wherever Twitch. you get your podcasts. Twitch, I forgot to plug Twitch. Yes, Twitch is new. Twitch is awesome. And uh, what else am I missing housekeeping wise? We're out by popular demand for Twitch, which was which was great because it's been great to see the uh, the support there. And we got some fire merch. Got some fire merch now. We're gonna have more coming in, but I mean, uh, it's been exciting to see how much is sold already. And people people love the just baseball branding, and uh, I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that too, man. So keep up the love, and uh, this was good shit. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See you.